What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. I'm your host. My name is Brett McGrath. I collect sports cards, and I have this podcast about collecting sports cards. If you are a longtime listener, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, out there in the wild, listening to these conversations, and you keep coming back. That's what it's all about. If you are a new listener to the show, if someone that you know told you about it, I want to first say to the referrer, thank you for telling a damn friend about the Stacking Slabs podcast. And for the new listener, appreciate you dropping by, tuning in. Hopefully, you appreciate the passion, the energy, and everything that goes into what you're about to hear today and moving forward. I am recording this. I just put my daughter down for a nap. We were at Papa and Gigi's, a little drop by. Today's podcast is uh, sponsored by the unofficial sponsor, I guess I should say, to make sure I have this accurate, of today is Krispy Kreme and the Krispy Kreme donut. We ordered ahead, dropped by, the light was on, they were fresh, and we went in, we got that, uh, got those Krispy Kreme donuts took them to Papa and Gigi's house. There was one that was American flag themed for America's birthday. I'm recording this um, and America's birthday has not happened yet, but will happen on the other side of this episode. And we sat there and we enjoyed our delicious donuts from Krispy Kreme and the fine people and the resurrection of that brand. If you're a Krispy Kreme's fan we all are fans, right? No one's ever had a fresh Krispy Kreme donut and said, this isn't good. Um, or if you did, I don't believe you. So I want to shout out those people at the Krispy Kreme HQ who decided to unofficially sponsor the Stacking Slides podcast today. Enjoying your donuts, enjoying everything you're doing for us as Americans to keep us fueled. And if you're not from America and you're a listener to the show, we got to get you some Krispy Kreme donuts. So we got it Australia, Japan, Canada, uh, wherever you're at across the globe. Krispy Kreme, check them out. So we've got a long weekend here. Um, I am trying to figure out how to fill this time. I'm away from work uh, for two days and then we'll be dropping back in. And then all of a sudden the week will be over with, but we'll be overwhelmed because um, we will be try to start our work initiatives, but we'll be behind because all the stuff is going on and we don't have enough days to work. We all go through these cycles. But anyways, I'm trying to like stay mentally sound and stable and enjoy this time away from work for a little bit. Um, always enjoy this. We are typically at a lake somewhere. You're probably getting home from a lake or you're just at a lake not too long ago. Um, down in the cards uh, for us this year, uh, just laying low, trying to chill out plenty of entertainment and things to do and stuff to go on. I spent my Saturday of the long weekend um, watching Money in the Bank, WWE's Money in the Bank pay-per-view, which is becoming one of my favorite events of the year. That um, was uh, broadcasted from London. So shout out um, everyone who's listened to the pod from London. Um, not sure if you've had Krispy Kreme or not, but you did have Money in the Bank um, coming at you uh, live from your city. Enjoyed that event. Always enjoy those matches. It was entertaining. Um, we'll see where this takes us. We've got the blood Roman getting pinned, which was unusual. Uh, we've got the bloodline still going and going and going. And we've got a new Mr. Money in the Bank, which is Damian Priest. It's not L.A. Knight. Yeah. But we've got Damian Priest, who I think actually um, has had a 
pretty impressive year and has been in a lot of big spots. And we'll be interested to see what he has on that with that briefcase. On the and on the other side of it, we have EO Sky with the briefcase. She's an unbelievable performer, one of my favorites to watch. So all in all, good event. We've had free agency going on. We had Twitter exploding with over exceed limits. I don't know what's going on, but the NBA free agency as a Pacers fan, how first of all, let me ask you all, how are you feeling about your squads? How are you feeling about what you did? I will say, and again, I'm kind of like an internal optimist when it comes to sports, even though it's bit me in the butt so many times, but for a young team that's growing and going and trying to get better, I'm really liking the moves that the Pacers made. First of all, most importantly, just maxing it up, getting Tyrese deal done, getting that ink sign, giving them that 260 mil right in the bank, baby. Uh, but I think there is probably no other player in the NBA that is young, that deserves a max deal, that is not only just on the court, but also just this guy came into our city and he is the leader of all leaders. So he's also a wrestling guy too. Like, Go check out the Pacers accounts when this guy's showing up in the arena. He's a vintage wrestling t-shirt guy. He's always commenting on Twitter about wrestling. I'm just a Tyrese Halliburton mark. So excited he's going to be in the city for some uh, for a while. Bringing in Bruce Brown from Denver. I love the toughness. I love bringing in a guy off a championship team. Obi Toppin coming in from New York. Uh, I like what we're doing over here. There's more... Uh, there's, there's more to be done, more to be had, and who knows where we'll be on the other side of this as this goes live. But as a Pacers fan, I'm very, very happy and very excited about what's to come. We've got training camp coming up too. We are in July and we're about to start. And this is, I say the NFL is a 365 day a year, um, sport, but if there is a lull, it's been the, these, these, these weeks leading up into training camp. It's like, this is kind of the break of the season. Um, creators are still making content, um, trying to prepare us for what's to come, but kind of a lull period. So I'm excited that training camp is going to kick off um, for me as a Colts fan, July 26 in Westfield. Um, I'll be trying to get out there, see the squad, see everything that's happening. But we're here. We're right around the corner. I want to thank my man, Sports Card Pete, for dropping by. If you haven't already, if you're a vintage fan and you haven't listened to Friday's conversation. Even if you're not a vintage fan, I would highly recommend um, you checking out that con- that chat with Pete. I love his process. I love the way he thinks about no holds barred when it comes to uh, getting cards that he needs and wants. So sometimes as collectors, most of the time as collectors, I would say we have, at- and this is vintage and non-vintage related. This applies to everyone. We have zero control after over what cards get listed on whatever platform it is. and it is on us. What do we do? We're supposed to just say, okay, that's a card I've been dreaming about for a while, but it's available now and it's outside my budget. So I'm not going to get it. What we did in that episode was talk about an individual, which I, I have reached that level to where Pete is at, where it's like, you just don't let shit get in your way. If there's a card that you need and it's on your list and you've been thinking about it for a while, you take action and you're like Pete said, you are dangerous in those auctions because you have spent all the time, money, energy, and resources to build and develop equity inside of your collection. And so you just need to go to judgment day, as I like to call it. Um, speaking of Damien Priest, judgment day, baby, 
You go freaking look at your cards, you stack rank them all up against each other, and you say, you know what? I would much rather get rid of these 10 cards to get this one card. So Pete talked a lot about his process, his spreadsheet. You can have a spreadsheet. You don't have to have a spreadsheet. You can do whatever the hell you want. But what the message of that episode to me was, don't hold back. Go all in, and you'll figure it out on the other side. A little bit of consolidation. This week, America's birthday. People have time off. I'm recording. I didn't want to interrupt anyone I didn't know schedule or unlock a new character. We're going to do that leading up into the national, I'm sure, and all that. No, I just said it national. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But I have my brother McGrath cards. He has been dominating the Reggie Wayne collecting community. He has been picking up cards right and left. We've been side texting, having FaceTimes about the national. We're going together, sharing a hotel room. Yes, two guys in a hotel room. Not only two guys, two brothers in a hotel room. Yes, we're doing that. We're making it happen. So excited about him coming back on the podcast to just talk freaking cards, baby, because that's what we do. So make sure you listen to Pete's chat from last week. You're listening to this one. Appreciate that. And we got my brother on Friday. The national, the national, the national. I'm hitting the freaking drum. Let's go. It is time to shine, baby. A lot of people have been talking about the National earlier than I remember last year. And I think it's because there's so much freaking excitement about the hobby in the current state. And, uh, you know, it's some might view doom and gloom. Others who have been here and are the foundation, and that is you as the collector, are seeing this as a really good time to be in the hobby, to buy sports cards, to connect with friends, to share passion, but also attend mega events like the National and the Donald J. Stevenson Convention Center, baby. So we're getting there. We're excited. We're going. And what I can tell you right now, and this is just my own personal perspective, see more collectors in my immediate network that are doing whatever they can to get as much cash as possible in their back pocket so that they can take that to Rosemont, Illinois and spend that cash on sports cards. This brings up a lot of different things to me. Number one, people like me, collectors like me and many others are getting rid of cards right now to get liquid and get cash. So what does that mean? That means if you're buying online or buying digitally through auctions and different uh, avenues, chances are people, you might be able to get cards that you don't regularly see and maybe a pretty good price. So I know we already do this. You don't need a reminder, but just pay attention to what's happening in your immediate uh, fellow community and network because chances are people would rather just give sell cards to other collectors. So good time to source your collector community, especially those that are going to the national because there's a likelihood that they're trying to get some cash in their back pocket beforehand. Also, this means that um, when we are um, at the shows, right, there are going to be people that are likely aggressively trying to buy cards, which is really fun for the collectors who have cash and also the dealers who will be at the table. So I'm excited to explore on the other side of this once the national dust has settled, just personal stories and sentiment about people getting cards. that they have been wanting and how that whole process um, happened. But I think there's going to be a lot of money, obviously, in the room. 
I think a lot of people are going to be gunning for cards. And I will say this, it's like people don't want to pay pandemic boom prices and won't for cards. So all the smart, intelligent dealers that I have been meeting with are all have processes for how they're going to be positioning their showcases, pricing their cards. And we're going to bring some more of those dealers and those conversations on this platform before the national just to get you leveled up. But one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about, because I love football cards and the national always uh, drops right, right when football season is about to start. So just thinking about some things I heard last year and want to address something. So first and foremost, I want to say that at to generalize, and you know me, I don't typically like to generalize, but we're generalizing here. At a macro level, most everybody's cards are down. Most players from where they were because where they were was so absurd and so ridiculous and they got run up. And we're even saying the greats, okay? So I would consider if you were to ask me, Brett, who is a great or potentially could be considered an all-time great that is currently playing football. The first player that will come to my mind, and it'll probably be my answer for the next decade, will be Patrick Mahomes. Digging into his career already, and it's we're just it almost feels which is special about Patrick Mahomes, it's we're it almost feels like we're just getting started. So we're talking about his accomplishments already. And when I'm considering great, you've got to consider accomplishments. Two-time MVP, 2018-22 season. He also in 2018 was the Offensive Player of the Year. He's made five Pro Bowls. First team All-Pro two times. First team All-Pro, I think, is an underrated measuring uh, measurement in terms of talking about players, especially in football. Like in football, the All-Pro, like if you've made first team All-Pro, chances are you're probably doing something really good and because that's extremely challenging, obviously. But two times, two-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl MVP. He's been to three Super Bowls. I think during the hobby renaissance, there is no player that has achieved more, probably get a bunch of messages about this. But in my opinion, during this hobby renaissance and the hobby boom and all the hype machine and everything, on the field, no player has achieved more than Patrick Mahomes. But to put it into perspective, and I'm going to just try to make this as clear as possible, but even Patrick Mahomes' cards are down. Look at the card ladder player index from this point last year to this point today when I'm recording this. His cards are down 48%. Okay, A player who is an all-time great, who is actively playing, his cards are down. What the mainstream positions constantly is this player is going to do X. And if this player, when this player does X, his cards will increase by two to three X. And you're seeing that right now on the market. You're seeing that with players who've never done anything. And it blows my mind what these cards are being listed at and what people are actually paying for. Okay. So my belief in the Mahomes side of things are, which is an all-time great player who's already has credentials, is that he he's a player who can survive the hobby inflation that we've all been through. It's likely, if you're a Patrick Mahomes fan, it's likely probably a really good time 
uh, to be buying his cards. And you look at the data, look at signals. What I like to do is just go look at what just incredible collectors who've got awesome collections who've been doing it for all. Just watch their behavior, study human behavior. I think many dealers who I'm friends with said last year at the national, no one was even asking about Mahomes. Okay. So last year, everyone was infatuated by some players that I'll mention here and um, in a minute. But I think I try to dig into the why behind this. And I'm doing this because this is what's going to be happening at the national. This is going to take up a majority of the national. I think people want to get into someone who is unknown and get out as quick as possible. The mainstream wants to promote the unproven because the mainstream internet influencers have taught everyone that they can hustle hard and pass the buck to someone else. So when we, I, had, I had Austin on, Austin Carl, Carlson from Carlson Cards, it was a couple of weeks ago. And he mentioned this, and we've talked about this on the podcast, but I wanted to bring this up, especially because it's national season. But he talked about the greater fool theory. And we did it briefly, but I wanted to spend a little more time talking about that. So what this does is it suggests that one can sometimes make money through purchase of overvalued assets and the items with a purchase price drastically exceed their intrinsic value. So the thought process is if those assets can be later, later be the result of even higher price, they'll just go pass the buck to someone else. People don't care about the player. They're drawn to the price increasing. So I'm looking and I see a player like Desmond Ritter and I just see this player's pro- and I, no knock on Desmond Ritter like bro can go ball out. He's got some sick weapons and a sick offense in Atlanta, but dude's never done anything. But people see Desmond Ritter, you know, championship tickets and cracked ice and um, gold prisms going up in value. And people think, you know what, like I can go grab that. And then I can go sell it for even more. Um, that is how we get in situations where we're at now, where players' prices are all going down. People don't care about the player. They're just drawn to the price increasing because everyone wants to play hot potato. And we're gonna, if you want to play some hot potato, you have a chance to play hot potato in the national, at the national. But the, the problem with the hot potato is not many people end up winning. So if I look at the hype machine, and we had dealers who I'm friends with said no one was asking for Patrick Mahomes cards. And a reminder to everyone, Patrick Mahomes won the motherfucking Super Bowl for the second time this year, and his cards are down 48%. Patrick Mahomes, all-time great, already won his second Super Bowl and his cards are down 48%. But last year at the National, everyone was asking for Zach Wilson. Everyone was asking for Mac Jones. And you know people were asking for Justin Herbert. And no knock on any of those players. Well, maybe Zach Wilson. But the guys have never done anything, okay? And you might say Justin Herbert made the playoffs okay. I'm not saying he's not a great player. But... This is the era. This is what you have to know is going on in that room. That is happening. And this year, people are going to be doing that. Desmond Ritter, Sam Howe, Brock Purdy. All these guys want to talk about arbitrage, baby. Arbitrage opportunities. Look out. You can make money when you hustle hard. Everyone's talking about that shit. Okay. 
the purchase and sale of the same or similar assets cards in different markets, selling them on different platforms, exploiting variations, mainstream, 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 mainstream. I've got an Instagram page. I've got a Twitter account. And I'm telling you to do all these things. I think the best counter to all this is treating your time in the hobby with respect. Respect yourself and respect your damn PC. Respect the cards you desire and you want those cards in your collection because you love them over a few bucks here and there. We're all busy. We've all got families. We've all got kids. We've all, we've all got careers. We've got all this shit. If you want to spend your time doing that, on you. I'm not trying to knock it. I'm trying to tell everyone who maybe is just getting back into cards and loves collecting that the way to level up quicker is to understand how the mainstream operates and works so that you can go fill your collection with cards that are amazing because you love them. I don't have time for all the uh, arbitrage, go past the buck uh, on someone else. I don't have time with that, nor do I care. I'm very happy with my life. I'm very happy with uh, my job. I'm very happy with cards as a escape. I don't have time. I just want to build a collection where I can express my passion. And that's what it's all about. I put this out there earlier in the week, but I just want to restate it because I've got a podcast about collecting sports cards and there's many things that I hear, learn, and observe and just want to share this. And not everyone's on Instagram, so I'm going to repeat this on something I posted, but I said, trust is the ultimate asset in our community. It doesn't matter how revolutionary the product you're selling might be. It doesn't matter how many five or six figure cards that you have. Vanity metrics like total followers don't matter. Our reputations are everything. Being kind, listening, and treating fellow collectors well is what matters most. Everything else will work itself out. Trust is the catalyst for the entire ecosystem. And I think this is where the hobby mainstream has gone wrong. We are the collectors and we are the foundation of this damn hobby. And the what we appreciate most is we appreciate our fellow collector. We appreciate the cards that we have in our collection and the desire to continue to level those up. And us who've been doing this for a little while know that the most important asset in order to navigate and get to where we want to be as quick as humanly possible is to earn trust with everyone. I think. What got lost along the way when there was a lot of money circling around this industry and people just wanted to bring in new technology and build shit that we didn't care about. People didn't, people lost sight, decision makers, leaders, business leaders, people lost sight of what the most important asset is because people didn't take the time to have conversations with people on the ground floor who are always going to keep the engine running and the hobby rolling no matter what those conditions are. We're here because we love it. We are here because it provides us an outlet to express ourselves, to take some time off of work, to take some time, our mind off of things in our life that might be stressing us out. And what we appreciate as collectors is we appreciate the connection and we appreciate different companies and people, not because they have flashy services, not because they have flashy technology not because they're selling cards for six figures over and over again on a platform that the same card got sold on another platform a month ago. We don't care about that. We care about trust. We want to work in a, we want to operate and build our collections in an environment where trust is not 
only a priority, but earning trust is a requirement for doing business. And so I wanted to reiterate that message, especially because I think there's a lot of excitement going into the national. I think there's a lot of momentum and it's a really freaking good time to be collecting sports cards. I can tell you that because I have more energy than I ever have before. And I love it. I'm bit by the hobby. I'm bit by the community. I'm bit by the desire to continue to build a collection that will never end. This is an ongoing, never ending project. But I know I can't do that without earning and developing trust with people. And that is just what I want to make sure everyone understands is that when we walk into this room in less than a month, our reputations and our brands are everything. And a lot of companies and a lot of people have lost sight of that. And those brands and those reputations mean absolutely nothing. And for someone like me, if I view you as having a bad brand or a bad reputation, I don't want to do business with you and I don't want anything to do with you. And so what we can say here is let's collect cards, let's treat people well, and let's do whatever we can to share our passion and to build those relationships. I appreciate everyone who takes some time out of your week to listen to me sit up here and talk a little bit about sports cards and everything in between. You all kick ass. You all rule. We'll be back. More Stacking Slabs on Friday with my brother. Family conversation at McGrath Cards. Stay tuned and talk to you soon.